you with us, please open your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter number 3. If you didn't bring your Bibles today, they'll be up on the screen. And uh, that way you can follow along. If you've got a pen, you'll write down the references and look at them later on. That would be helpful as well. And I uh, hope and pray that your account has been settled. Amen. If you're not sure that if you died today and you'd go to heaven, I want to let you know that you can be sure. God wants you to be sure. He loves you. And he wants you to have your sin forgiven. We've got plenty of them. And if you don't deal with your sin at the cross of Calvary, then one day God will deal with you. And you don't want that. It'll be a terrible judgment day for you. But in Christ, we can be forgiven. We can be set free. We can have the mercy of God. If you haven't had that already, I pray that you would trust Christ as your own personal Savior. To have Christ as your Savior means redemption means salvation, means forgiveness, means assurance. No one can give assurance like Jesus can, knowing that on your deathbed, when you close your eyes and open them, you'll be in the presence of God. The Bible says the abs to be absent from the body for a Christian is to be present with the Lord. What a beautiful thing that is. But it will be horrendous and a shocking uh, time if you die without Christ and stand before God and having to pay for every sin you've done, every word, every thought, every deed will be made manifest in that day. It will be terrible. God is holy. He has to deal with sin. You reject Christ, his son, who dealt with sin on the cross, God will reject you on that judgment day. You don't want that terrible thing. <clears throat> Second Timothy chapter number 3. It's good to be in the house of God singing these sacred songs and hymns to a God who is worthy. We have a God that is worthy and he has been a blessing to us in more ways than one, physically and spiritually. And I want to say before the congregation, praise the Lord and all honor and glory be unto his name. Second Timothy chapter number three, verse one. This know also that in the last days, that in the last days, perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord God, we do come before you this morning, and we want to praise you first and foremost for your holiness, for your holy name. Hallowed be thy name, dear God. We give you the honor and the glory for your holy character, your righteous judgments. You're altogether lovely and you're good. We thank you for your long suffering to us. Not willing that we should perish, but all come to repentance. Father, I ask and praise, my brother prayed already, that if there be anyone here that doesn't know you as their personal savior, that you would work in their hearts and that you would draw them to you through the truth of your word, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that you would show them their need. Father, and for those that are saved, redeemed, bought by the precious blood, I pray that you'd continue to work in them, that they'll be perfected as saints of God for your glory. We love you. We thank you for being loved by you. We thank you, Father, for your many benefits and blessings, and especially thank you for your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we give thanks today. Help us to be attentive to the sermon. Please help us not to be distracted without... Uh, with the things, the burdens and cares and worries and troubles, Father, please settle the hearts of your people. And I pray that you'd help me settle my heart today. In Jesus' name, amen. There are several ways to prove the authenticity and the re reliability of the Bible, in, which is the Word of God, which uh, is known as the Holy Scriptures. And that is, uh, the first is by the inspiration of the Scripture. The Bible is the inspired 
word of God. This means that God is the original author of the scripture. As a matter of fact, in our passage itself, it says all scripture is given by the inspiration of God. This means that the Bible was given by the very breath of God. God's words were breathed out by the power of the Holy Spirit. And God used holy men as pens in his hands to pen down, if you would, the very word of God, the Bible. There are about 40 different authors and who are controlled by the Holy Spirit and who uh, were used by God to write down the Holy Scriptures. Another way to prove the authenticity of the Bible is by looking at the, in, uh, the illumination of the Scripture. The Bible illuminates and brings to light the heaven things of darkness. God uses His Word to get a hold of our hearts and uh, you know, get into the deepest, darkest secrets, revealing our motives. Let me just stop here and say this today, that while I was pondering upon this sermon in my study, that I, I just couldn't, in a sense, couldn't wait until I finished my study because it was very burdensome. It was lengthy, it was, it was hard pressing, it was things that uh, got, you know, convicted me as a saved man and not only this but trying to bring these truths out today asking the Lord to help me to know how to convey them because the Word of God illuminates or convicts the heart the Bible says in 2nd Timothy chapter 3 in our text he says to Timothy from a child that has known the Holy Scriptures which is able to make thee what wise unto salvation the Bible is a convicting book it, it pierces the heart. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. And when it is preached with the Holy Spirit illumination, it is able to open up the spiritual senses and understanding of a blind man. The Bible exposes our dark and deceitful hearts through the truth of God's Word that is contained in this Bible. God, through His Word, begins to light or give light to our greatest need listen let me say to you today our greatest need is not a degree a career a car a house a family or religion some of them are, are, are good needs in their right place but it's not our greatest need our greatest need is to know God and to be known of God our greatest need is to know how to get saved and have a home in heaven how to have your sin forgiven our greatest need is simply uh, to know life eternal through Jesus Christ it's not gold it's God it's not silver it's the Savior Proverbs chapter 3 verse 13 happy is the man that findeth wisdom and the man that getteth understanding for the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver and the gain thereof than fine gold Another way to prove the authenticity of the Bible is by looking at the integrity of the Scriptures. <clears throat> the Bible is full of prophecy. So what's that? Predicted truth. God said something in the past and it came to pass in the future. In other words, God through His Word foretold predicted events that have come to pass, listen, and will continue to come to pass. The Old Testament preachers predicted the first coming of Jesus Christ, that Jesus was, one, was going to be born of a virgin by the power of the Holy Spirit and he did the Old Testament prophets predicted that he was gonna suffer and die and guess what he did the Apostles and prophets predicted that Jesus was going to be buried and rise again the third day and he did and the Bible prophesies and predicts that Jesus one day will come again with great power and he will full of prophecy the integrity of the scripture is revealed in the things that come to pass second Peter 1 16 Peter says this for we have not followed cunning deceitful fables when we were made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ but what were eyewitnesses of his majesty the integrity of the scripture is clear what God through his word the Bible says will happen will happen and in our passage before us about 2,000 years ago, Paul wrote to Timothy two determining disasters, things that will take place in perilous times. And these perilous times will predict the end times, the times that we and you and I are living today. And in chapter 3, he mentions one, and in chapter 4, he mentions one. Two uh, determined disasters that are, uh, I believe, taking place at this time. We'll perhaps have one today. For the sake of time, I won't get into the other one for the sake of time. We'll look at chapter number three together at length. 
the first disasters mentioned in our Bible reading, there'll be a growing number of people, listen to me very carefully, who claim to know God but yet live ungodly lives. The Bible says that they have a form of godliness but they deny the power thereof. And there's a description from anywhere about 16 to 19 characteristics of someone that is religious, someone that professes to know God, yet live an ungodly, wicked, sinful life. People who are religious, hypocrites, living sinful, wicked lives, and there's a growing number of them. And the Bible says at the last times, the, the times that we're living in today, you'll see it more frequently. It is a growing culture, if you will. And Paul gives a lengthy and detailed list which characterizes our culture today, a growing culture today, exhibits selfishness, self-centeredness, greediness, and a rebellious attitude which is laced with hypocrisy. It is a heavy, extensive list. And by, one by one, as I was studying each characteristic, I'm thinking, Lord, as a saved man, I don't want to be either of this. Because we're going to look at the growing nature of hypocrites, people that uh, say that they're saved, but they're not saved. And, and for you, Christian, you look at that list, you that are real, you that are simply uh, authentic, if you will, you're saved here today. You look at that list and you say, I don't want to be like that. I don't want to have this uh, attitude in any way, shape or form in my life. Use that are authentic, but there are a growing number that profess religion or profess Christianity, I would even say, and say that they're believers. They say that they believe God. They have a form of godliness, but they have these characteristics in their life. You need to get it. You need to get every single one of it because it is rampant. I mean, you have to only go and see and be amongst the people to know and understand just how wicked the heart of man is. My friends, listen, we're being desensitized by our culture. We think it's normal to live like this. It's not normal. You say, live like what? Well, let's have a look at the first one quickly. Let's go through the list together today in this hour. Number one, the Bible says, for men will be lovers of their own selves. In the last day, the majority of people will have this love-me-do attitude. Uh, people will have an unrestrained love for self, a love that worships themselves as God on earth. People who are self-love, they love their bodies, they spend time, money and energy pampering the flesh and pleasing self. You just have to look at the social media today. You have to look at the selfies today. You have to have, look at uh, people that are full of self, promoting self, praising self, all about me, 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 I, 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 my, 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 having eight kids and trying to raise them up as selfish little human beings as they grow. We try to tell them to live ethically with integrity and one day they'll know Jesus Christ as their saviour because every now and then in the house you'll hear something like, that's mine. That's for me. Give me that. And it's the sinful nature that we have no doubt inherited from Adam. And we need to be very aware of it. Lest we nurture it. Lest we fall short, if you will, of, of God's grace and think that the, uh, this, this life is all about us. It's not about us. It's about Him. By the way, there's a big difference in caring or looking after yourself versus being obsessed and infatuated with yourself. There's a big difference. No one is saying, don't care for yourself, don't wash your body, don't feed, don't put on clothes and sleep and get good rest, don't enjoy the pleasures in which God has given us. No, there's nothing wrong with that. But the problem is, is when people are just so infatuated, obsessed, they love themselves at the expense of loving God and at the expense of loving others, it's not an accident that this is on top of the list. Because this attitude, this love-me-do attitude is the root problem that springs up the fruit of all these others that we'll see that follow on. This is the root problem. This is the problem that Lucifer had. And the next characteristic go hand in hand, covetous. In the last days, the majority of people will have this greedy attitude People who have an unconstrained lust, if you will, to covet 
uh, has an idea to lust after, a desire for more, and never satisfied and content. And by the way, again, there's a big difference in seeking those things that we need and, thinking, and seeking those things that we simply are lusting after our greeds. One sustains life, one spoils life. There's a big difference. 1 Corinthians 7 verse 31, that they use this world not abusing it, for the fashion of this world passeth away. God has put us in this world to use it for God's glory, not to abuse it for self-promotion and, and desiring the very things that God simply uh, says it's forbidden. The Bible says that covetousness in Colossians chapter 3, verse 5 is a form of idolatry. People today idolize car more than their creator. They worship money more than their maker. And Jesus said it very clearly in his first sermon on the mount, no man can serve two masters, for either he will, love, he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to one and despise the other. Look at this. You cannot serve God and mammon. It's impossible. You cannot have two masters. You either serve yourself or you're serving God. You either love God or you're loving yourself. Notice the next characteristics, boasters and prideful. In the last days, the majority of people will be blow, blow their own trumpet. They'll, they'll toot their own horn, if you will. People will have an unrestrained, warped view of themselves, thinking to be something when they're nothing. They will think more highly of themselves. They'll, they'll be puffed up. I'll speak about their achievements and accomplishments and have their accolades and trophies and presentations all over the place so you can see in the doctorate and this and, and all self-promotion. There will be a growing number of people that are planning their life without God and boasting about it. James 4 verse 13 says, Go to now ye that say today or tomorrow will go in such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. For whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, this is how you ought to live. If the Lord will, we shall live and do this and do that. But now you rejoice in your what? What's that word there? Boastings for all such rejoicing is what? Evil. Planning outside of the will of God is evil and in the last days there will be a growing number of people that will seek self-glory then glorifying God. There's a big difference in planning in the will of God and planning outside of the will of God. There's nothing wrong with planning or preparing for tomorrow but as long as it's in the will of God. In the last days there'll be people who will spend more time talking about their accomplishments and proclaiming their own goodness. God's wisdom says most men will proclaim their own goodness. But a faithful man who can find. Our society will have a growing number of people that will have big heads and small hearts. People who are all talk but no action. People who desire to be famous than being faithful. People who live to seek for the attention and glory rather than boasting about God. Like the psalmist said, in God we boast all the day long and praise thy name forever. There's nothing wrong with boasting. But the truth is, is what are these people boasting about? The Bible says there'll be blasphemers. Next, number four, blasphemers. In the last day, there'll be a majority growing number of people that will have corrupt communication. People have an unrestrained tongue. A foul mouth. I meet so-called professing Christians today that have been Christians for years. They should have been growing past the F word and the S word. They should have been already growing and sanctified to the point where they don't use God's name in vain anymore. They've been Christians for years and yet they still blaspheme and blaspheme God, tell rude and crude, dirty jokes. And they think it's a normal kind of connotation, language, in our vocabulary, but it's not. A blasphemer is one that also speaks evil and slanders God. There'll be a growing number of people that curse God to his face, blame God, abuse God. They'll use God's name in vain, rub Jesus' name in the dirt. You hear it everywhere. Oh my God is what you hear. Jesus Christ. Everywhere you go. In the shops, at work, in the schools, in the home on TV, in the media, on YouTube, on the internet, everywhere you go, Jesus' name is trashed. 
You probably said it from time to time. Some people say it ignorantly, thinking it's part of the English vocabulary. But it's not. It's blasphemy. The next one is disobedience to parents, number five. In the last day, the majority of people have a rebellious attitude. People have an unrestrained contempt. The high volume of dishonoring and disrespecting uh, authority is evident today. Disobedient people, children, are tolerated. Youth run the home. They get away with disobedience and dishonor. They tell the, the parents what to do. Children who are headstrong, stubborn, unruly, want to rule the home. And the parents say, yes, yes, yes. Whatever they bow down to them. Child screams, is on the ground, and just has a little fit. And the parent says, no, whatever you want, dear. Yes, dear, no worries, dear. Disobedient, dishonoring, disrespectful to parents. Rebellious. Isaiah prophesied about this. He says, Woe unto the wicked, it shall be ill with them, for their reward of his land shall be given him. As for my people, children are their oppressors, and women rule over them. That's their judgment. In that day, when you reject God, you're going to have people running the show like women running the show today, disrespecting the head, the authority of their husband. Children disrespecting their parents. Notice the prediction of the wisdom of God in Proverbs 30 verse 11. There is a generation that curseth their father and doth not bless their mother. We're in that generation. We're in it. We're here. This is it. And then unthankful. This goes hand in hand. In the last day, the majority of people, a growing number of people will be uh, demonstrating an ungrateful spirit, ingratitude, people with an unrestrained behavior, no more manners, bad behavior, lack of appreciation, nothing's, nothing's good enough for them, people that take people for granted. It's hard to hear words today of people saying, thank you, I appreciate you, I appreciate that. People are so selfish and so self-absorbed. The lack of praise to God is nowhere to, to is, is, is everywhere to be seen. We don't see people praising God. Instead of they use God's name in vain. We don't see people adore God. The majority of people curse God and they're unthankful to God. There's a lack of praise for God. There's this careless attitude toward God. They, 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 God has blessed them immensely. But they focus more on, or more on what they don't have than what they do have, do have. People who constantly complain, nag, sour face, like as if they haven't been given anything. Their attitude stems from a lack of loving and glorifying God. Romans 1.21, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imagination, and their foolish heart was darkened. You know why people are ungrateful to God and others? Because they're full of self. They can't, beyond, they can't see beyond themselves. They, they don't appreciate something good. They take it for granted. Something, someone does something good for them. They don't appreciate it. As a matter of fact, the opposite is true. You know, today we live in a society that you can do so much good to someone and all that good is gone because of one thing that you've done that's bad. Everything's out the drain. Mom, dad has provided for me, cared for me. All these years, loved me, loved me. All of a sudden, they become teenagers and all that is forgotten. One person outside in the world shows them some sort of attention and they gravitate to that. Unappreciative, forgetful. By the way, that's one of the reasons why we don't praise God. That's one of the reasons why Israel didn't praise God in the wilderness like they should when God fed them and led them and continued to lead them is because they were forgetful how God loved them. And then unholy is number seven. In the last days, the majority of people will have a wicked manner of life. Unholy. People will have an unrestrained evil conduct. Sex outside of marriage called fornication is rampant. 
I, I mean, rampant, listen to me. Pornography, both men and women and children, rampant in the home. Rampant in the home. They sit in the living room playing with, a, with, 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 a, with their phone and they're playing a game and then they quickly go into their room thinking mummy and daddy, oh, they're just playing an innocent game and they quickly switch the app to YouTube or something of a sinful nature to watch something that is disgusting. And you know what? Our society is so susceptible to it. You know why? Because of the wicked movies and the wicked commercials billboards, posters that you over the 10, 15 years have grown up to see thinking that's normal. Nakedness is disgusting. It's shame. It's unholy. It's profane. It's not normal. It's warped. It's wicked and evil. The, 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 there's no more fear in their eyes. They're, 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 they're so proud to be dabbling in evil. No more shame in some people's life. It's no more hidden. It's out in the open. The unholy institution of God is, is, is profane. Uh, the holy institution of God have been profaned. The sacred things of God, the worship of God with music, people are, 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 are praising God's name with the devil's music. Listen, God doesn't want your rock and roll music or your rap and your hip-hop music to, to, to put them to the words of, of, of pure, holy words. Keep it outside of the church and keep it out of your home altogether. Don't you think God is going to accept that profane music that's of the devil? They jump up and down, up and down like they're hip-hop doing this in a Christian church. That's not Christian. That's unholy. That's profane. That's wicked. They have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. This is rampant now. It's coming in. Oh, singing these hymns. Oh, they're a bit boring. I want to do a little shake and move along. Who are you worshipping? Yourself or God? Who's the worship for? Tell me. Oh, but we need to bring in the rock band and we need to bring in the, the, the performers. But you know why? We want to build an empire. We want people to come into the church and, and have this empire being built. This is why. Well, what about the sacred things of God? What about a holy people worshipping a holy God? Worship the Lord, the psalmist says, in the beauty of holiness. And today we see not only this, but the holy institution of God like marriage and church are defiled. The sodomites are taking over. They're creeping into the church thinking that they're doing God's service. Wearing the colors of the rainbow. Indirectly saying, see, we're in your house. And there's other little Christians outside the promoters. Says, love is love. Love is love. No, that's unholy. It's profane. It's wicked. Turning the sacred institution of God, marriage, on its head. Unlawful marriages. Man with man, woman with woman, unholy, profane, disgusting. God doesn't approve of that. These people are not doing God any favors. They do more damage than good to God's name. The truth is, people who put God aside to live uh, pleasing themselves can only go to one direction, and that's a wicked lifestyle. Next one is without natural affection. In the last days, the majority of people will be heartless. People will have an unrestrained, if you will, careless attitude, heartless. Lack of empathy, lack of compassion, lack of unconditional love, lack of care and concern for others, a lack of forgiveness. What do you expect when people live uh, selfish lives? People are so cold-hearted. Very few good Samaritans doing the very thing that God has called them to do. There will be a lack of uh, encouragement. It's very hard to find people to encourage you when you're down, when you're persecuted, when you're sick. 
It's very hard. People are just wrapped up, too busy. They can't see beyond themselves. There'll be a growing number of families who'll be cold-hearted toward their simply uh, uh, children. People will neglect their children. Mothers and fathers will, neg will neglect their children. Selfish fathers who only care for themselves and treat their partners and children with disdain, thinking about selfish gain. I just use their wife. They're cold toward her, but when they want something, they rub themselves on her. Selfish, cold, callous. Children are, ne are neglected. The fatherless are evident. They don't care only about themselves. Selfish mothers who go and feed their desires to, plead, to, 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 to please their middle-age crisis. I'm going to take a breather now. You can take a breather too, but I need a breather. Man, this is just... You know it's true. I need a breather. It's heavy. Selfish children laugh when another child is hurt, punched, kicked, stabbed. What do you expect when they're watching Hollywood movies and playing the violent games on their PlayStation? What do you expect? Killing and hurting people is normal. Someone gets hurt, falls over. <laughs> Kids, 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 kids. I got to. They don't even watch Hollywood movies or play violent games. You can just imagine the ones that do. Listen, someone's hurt. Help him up. That's not funny. Without natural affection. Cold, careless, heartless. Why? By the way, you keep watching Hollywood movies and watching that uh, wicked stuff on the internet and playing those wicked games, guess what will happen? You'll be desensitized yet more and more, more and more, more and more. Number nine, truce breakers. In the last day, the majority of people will have an unfaithful spirit. People will have an unrestrained commitment. It's very hard to find people that are committed, faithful and trustworthy. You know how it is. Even in the workplace, so many people do not keep their word. Many years ago, you used to go up to somebody and you used to shake their hands. You used to say, all right, it's a deal. Now, you have a five-centimeter page contract. Sign here, sign here, sign here. Oh, you missed that one. Why? Why? Because the truth breakers, there's no more honest people in the world. There has to be some sort of retribution for your uh, lack of commitment. And for breaking the contract, there has to be a penalty now. You know, you understand, you know why divorce rate is up the roof? And I'm not saying this in every single divorce situation. I know and understand that people can be the victim of it, but they're a victim of someone that's not committed to their vows, someone that's not committed to their promises. The reason why it's skyrocketing People don't understand the promise they've made to their spouse before God. Again, most men in Proverbs chapter 20 says it very clearly in verse 6, will proclaim their own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. They stand at that altar, they look at each other, they're in love. Yes, I love you. don't even know there's hundreds of people up there. They're lost with each other and they look and they can't wait to be with each other. This is the moment we've been waiting for. I love you, I do. To death do us part, for richer or for poorer. Oh, and then all of a sudden, two years down the road, what happened? Oh, I don't feel the butterflies anymore. Yeah, maybe, you're, maybe some guy at your work or someone on the internet is showing you more attention than your husband. And if your husband is not showing you attention, maybe you should tell him, but he won't listen. Maybe you should continue to pray for him if you're a Christian. But the problem is today, we don't have Christian homes and we don't have God-fearing people. And so there's a fluctuation of a, of a broken home that can't keep to their promises. Number 10, false accusers. In the last days, the majority of people will be compulsive liars. People will have an unrestrained attitude of dishonesty. People spreading false and malicious, malicious reports. A growing number of people who slander, tailbear, backbite and gossip. By the way, slandering and gossiping and backbiting and, 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 and falsely accusing is a characteristic of Lucifer himself. 
People are so prone and quick to support a false allegation on baseless evidence because of the nature of man. The psalmist said this in Psalm 58 verse 3, The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they are born. What are they doing? Speaking lies. Their poison is, is like the poison of a serpent. Well, the poison of lies and deceit and slander are the very things the devil uses to destroy lives, homes and churches. The evil characteristic is so common, Paul even has to instruct Titus to keep it out of the home and to keep it out of the family and to keep it out of the church. He says, let the aged woman likewise that they be in behavior, sorry, likewise that they be in behavior is becoming holiness. Look at this, not false what? Accusers. That's what it says there, doesn't it? Not false accusers. You know that word, if you search it out in the Greek, it means diablos. You know why the translators put it as a false accusers? Because that's the number one thing that the devil likes doing. He, he accused Job before God. He accuses the brethren. He's the great accuser of the brethren. And so don't bring it in the church. Don't falsely accuse your brethren because that's what the devil does. How much more the world? Keep it out. It's rampant today. How many people are in prison right now because of a false testimony? A false testimony. And then incontinent. In the last days, the majority of people will be undisciplined. People have unrestrained self-control. Many people today are enslaved and addicted by many different things. One of the greatest things that people are addicted to is this. This could be used for good things and bad things. Did you know that? It could be used for good, it could be used for bad. Majority of the time, people use it for bad. They're not disciplined. You know why people procrastinate? You know why their responsibilities are not met? You know why people lack in fulfilling their God-given responsibilities? Because they're not disciplined. They're addicted to phones, internet, sports, porn, music, movies, food, alcohol, and prescription drugs. Uncontrolled behavior. It's rampant today, folks. You know, there, there are people in LA and maybe all over the country, even here, that are like zombies. And this is, this is the people that we're seeing on the street, on prescription drugs. On, uh, there, are, there are people that are just simply being given prescription pain medicine, and they're in their home like zombies. rampant people demonstrate a lack of strength and ability to say no the reason why it's hard to find faithful people committed working in their marriages working in their churches working in their jobs uh, committed to God is because of their lust for addictions and then 12 fierce in the last days the majority of people will be brutal fierce people will have an unrestrained ruthless attitude the reason we see a lack of mercy in our society is because there are savage, cruel, callous hearts. They're ruthless. People today are so cruel, dry, harsh, and unkind, it's not funny. You're hard-pressed to find someone that is gentle, caring, kind, forbearing, and compassionate. You know, people today are so fickle. They have split personalities. One minute they praise you, and the next minute they want to crucify you. They're two-faced double-tongued even in even in the days of the psalmist two uh, thousand two thousand five hundred years ago he struggled to find godly people in his day he says help O lord for the godly man ceaseth for they uh, the, the the faithful fail from among the children of men look at this they speak vanity everyone with his neighbor with flattering lips and with a double heart do they speak fierce I think one of the greatest things that could ever happen to anybody is to, is to, is to be uh, simply mistreated in an unkind way when you're trying to do good. That comes to the, sec uh, the next one, 13. Despisers of those that are good. In the last days, the majority of people will call good evil and evil good. People will have an unrestrained reality. In other words, they won't see things for what they are. They will uphold wicked doers over the righteous. They embrace predators over preachers. It's, it's reality today. People can't even see beyond the lies. As a matter of fact, they embrace the lies over the truth. 
It's heartbreaking. And 2,000 years ago, they desired a murderer to be set free instead of a man who was righteous, compassionate, caring, truthful. They desired to crucify him and choose Barabbas over Jesus. Can you believe that? 2,000 years ago. How much more now? Isaiah 5 verse 20 says, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. They put darkness for light they, and light for darkness, a bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Everything's reversed. It's flipped. It's twisted. We know we're coming to an end, brethren. Listen, we know we're coming to an end when people in the church favor a fornicator over a pastor who wants to deal with fornication in the church. We know we're coming to a head. We're coming to a head. It's crazy. 14 traitors. In the last day, the majority of people will be betrayers. People will have an unrestrained loyalty. The spirit of Judas is growing rapidly. Think about it. Jesus cared for Judas. Jesus loved Judas. Jesus called Judas. He ordained Judas, gave him a ministry as a treasurer. Perhaps even washed his feet. And what did Judas do? Stabbed him in the back with a kiss. The ultimate betrayal. Not denial, betrayal. And you want to see that, 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 that spirit governed by Lucifer, that spirit that ran and filled Judas's heart, yet more and more today, you're going to see it. And it'll be a, very, it'll be a shock to you. Uh, again, 2,500 years ago, David struggled in this area. He says in verse 11, wickedness is in the midst thereof. Deceit and guile depart not from her streets. For it was not my enemy that reproached me, that I could have bore it. Neither was it he that hated me that, and did magnify himself against me. Then I would have hid myself from him. But it was thou, a man, my equal, my guide, my acquaintance. We took sweet counsel together. We walked unto the house of God in company. Can you imagine that? You can have betrayal from someone that perhaps is your enemy, doesn't like you, maybe an ungodly per person, but what about when someone is walking with you in the house of God? Wow! In the last days, because of the gospel preaching ministry and the righteous upholding Christian values, the Judas spirit will not only infest people, but they'll be like Judas. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, verse 21, And the brother shall deliver up brother to death, and the father the child, and the children shall rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. Wow! Can you imagine that? And then when 15, heady and high-minded, in the last days, the majority of people will be self-willed. People will have an unrestrained composure. They will be reckless, headstrong, stubborn, proud, unreasonable to do, uh, to do business with, unteachable, irrational. They lack humility and common sense, let alone godly sense. They are uh, simply ha uh, hardened hearts, stiff-necked, obstinate to the truth. You, you're just headstrong, self-willed unreasonable. In the last days it'd be hard to preach the gospel to people like that. You can't reason with them. You can't even show them truth. You can't even compel them. As a matter of fact, Ezekiel had it in his day. He complained to God about the hardness of the hearers. He would preach and they would be hard. He would preach some more and they would be hard and hardened even more. You know what God said to him? He said this in Ezekiel 3, Ezekiel complains to God and he says, The house of Israel will not hearken unto me, for they will not hearken unto me. For all the house of Israel are impudent and hard-hearted. And he says, Behold, I have made thy face strong against their faces, and thy forehead strong against their foreheads, and adamant harder than a flint have I made thy forehead. Fear them not, neither be dismayed at their looks, though they be a rebellious house. People get so hard-hearted to the preaching of God. I pray here today that you are not growing harder to the reality of this truth. I pray that you are being softened and that this truth 
will break you so you can come to Christ and be forgiven if you haven't been already. It's hard to preach this kind of message today because of the reactions that we get. It's hard. We pray for holy boldness that God will make our face harder in a good sense. That we would not be afraid from their faces and hide and squirm and run, but rather preach the word of God for the good of the people that they may repent and turn and live. That was the whole message of Ezekiel. Turn and live. Turn and live. And God set him up as a watchman in his day, calling people to turn and live. Come back to God. 16. The first one. Anyone can remember the first one? People be what? Lovers of themselves. Is that right? This is, this is almost like the bun. Lovers of themselves. Everything in the middle there. And this is another bun. bun. Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. All together. It's a big package. This is another root problem. Self-absorbed pleasure more than loving God. Worshipping the creature, bowing down to the creature, more than bowing down to God. This is it, loving pleasure. In the last days, the majority of people will be lustful, an unrestrained love for this world and everything that the world offers. The love of the pleasure of this world more than the lovers of God, than the things of God. Listen to me very carefully. People love sports more than they do the Saviour. People get excited about a ball more than the Bible. Whether it's tennis or, or anything that got to do with the ball, uh, golf, anything, tennis, the ball, golf. I'm telling you, this is it. This is what people have fixed. The, the, the people make millions of dollars. You give them the Bible. They roll their eyes. Think about it. Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Yes. I'm not against balls, by the way. I pray handball with my children. Amen. I'm not against balls. Just be careful here. But I'm just saying, you know what I'm talking about? When people elevate things more than God, people worship them more than God, they love it more than God, people get excited about uh, simply someone scoring a try than a soul being saved. I've been out there when I first got saved with, uh, with professing Christians. When I first got saved, I couldn't believe these Christians, they got more excited about uh, uh, their football team scoring than me getting saved. <laughs> I thought getting saved was a good thing. Exciting thing. Some people, it's a burden. As a matter of fact, people thought, I'll give him two years. He's on fire for God, but two years, watch. He'll just be like one of us. That just made me more stronger to love the Lord. I'll give you two years in your marriage, Charlie. You just got married. You've got a beautiful life. You're holding her hand. You're putting your arm around her. Watch how far you'll sit from her Well, after that. Watch the distance that is between us. I said, what? No, 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 no. And, I, and by the way, it doesn't have to be a public example. It's what you do in the home, how you treat your, home, your, your, your wife in the home, how you treat your loved ones in the home. All I'm saying is this, is people value uh, things more than God. They love them. Last night I had a teenager probably about 17, 18, maybe 19 years old, I don't know. I would say he was a, still a teenager. And if he was a young adult, he acted like a teenager. He was mocking me. Man, he wouldn't stop mocking me. As a matter of fact, he said, how come God hasn't given you uh, hair? You're, you're a baldy. When's the bear going to jump out? Huh? From the kebab shop. <laughs> You know, that's what happened the last time kids mocked the prophet. Amen? You read your Old Testament. A bear devoured him. He says, why don't, you go, why don't you go do something fun? Turned around like that. I said, this is fun. Seeing people saved and come to know Christ is fun. It might be hard and it might be heavy at times. 
but when people get saved and they have their lives changed and they sit here and sing how great they are, that's rejoicing and that's what I get excited about and that's my pleasure today as a Christian. That's, that's what I'm excited about. I love it. I rejoice with God when one sinner comes to repentance. And I'm, oh, today we're waiting for that one sinner to come so we can rejoice. People get more excited about cake than they do with their creator, with Christ, with the cross. Mm. Enjoy the cake. Praise God for it. But what about God who gave you the cake? Amen? I'm not against cake too. I'm just saying. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. People love pleasure more than God. I love it. People choose to love sensual pleasures over God. Demas was a statistic. Brethren, remember Demas was in the ministry serving with Paul. As a matter of fact, he got his name mentioned twice in a good sense and then the third time in a bad sense. Paul said to Timothy, listen, bring John Mark. You come. Look, Demas has forsaken me. Why? Why did Demas forsake him? Having loved this present world. 17. But I keep moving for the sake of time. We're almost finished. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. In the last day, and don't miss it, the majority of people will be fake. Don't miss it. Majority of people will be fake. I had another man that was acting like a lady sitting next to me, drunk last night. Oh, oh, I'm telling you, you need to repent, sir. If you don't repent and trust Christ, you're going to go to hell. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're faking it while you're, you're making it, aren't you? I said, no, I'm the real deal. I love the Lord, and you need to love the Lord. So he's living a life of fake, and he thinks everybody else is living a life of fake. And they are. Outside of Christ, listen to me. You know what? Ecclesiastics says the preacher, vanity. Vanity, vanity, vanity. It's all fake. Without Jesus, you live a fake life. You can have a bit of religion, but it's fake. It's fake. You can have a cross around your neck, but it's fake. You can have a picture of Jesus in your room, but it's fake. Listen to me. Having a picture around your neck and having a picture in your heart and then having a real thing in your heart is the real difference. There's a big difference. I speak out of experience. I was a fake and a hypocrite for 24 years. I thought I had Jesus, but I didn't. I had a tattoo of a cross here, the face of Jesus here, a cross, pictures all over the world, statues. I do this all the time. And guess what? I was this list breathing this list inside and out until 20 years ago. I thank God there was a man that had courage enough to tell me, where are you going to go when you die, Charlie? Who wants to speak about death? If you die today, where are you going to go? I said, I don't know. And that's when he preached the gospel to me. He says, you can now. I said, how? Because, you know, I had a list of all these things and more in more detail of sins that were going to be accounted for one day. And when he told me that Christ came to wash your sins away, it was music to my ears. Because, friends, I'm not here to condemn you. What do we do with this? What do we do with this list? Well, for the Christian, you hear that are saved... You need to say, look, listen, I don't want to be like that. You know, I look at this list as a Christian, I don't want to behave like that. And what, what, did, what, what was Paul saying to Timothy? Timothy, this is the characteristic of a fake person. What does he say at the end of that? He says, from such, turn away. Turn away, Timothy. Don't be involved with fake people, religious people that say they know Jesus, they say they know the Bible, but they're living lives of sin and hypocrisy. Turn away from that. 
Oh, they, that's just false teachers. Well, what about the false teachers that are misleading people? Aren't they also in that category? Absolutely. Because he said that there will be people that will be waxing worse, uh, deceiving, deceived and deceiving. And Timothy, I want you to turn away from that. Don't be associated with that kind of Christianity. Don't be associated with it. That's one thing that you need to do, Christian, if you, is that you turn your back even uh, on the very characteristics in your own life. Don't be associated with it. William MacDonald says, Out, Outwardly, these people seem religious. They make a profession of Christianity, but their actions speak louder than their words. But the ungodly behavior, they show that they are living a lie. There is no evidence of the power of God in their lives. While they might have been, ref uh, have been reform uh, reformation, there was never, there was, there was never, uh, sorry, there never was regeneration. Titus says this, unto the pure, all things are pure. But unto them that are defiled and unbelieving, nothing's pure. But even their mind and conscience is defiled. They, look at this, they profess that they know God, but in their works they deny him. Being abominable and disobedient unto every good work, what? A reprobate. They profess to know God, but they deny him by their work and the way they live. You say, well, I'm not living like that. I might exhibit some of these things here and there, but I'm not living like that. Good. Are you saved? Praise God. You're not an imposter. You're the real thing. Praise the Lord for you. But even as Christians, what are we supposed to do? Escape the hypocrisy, avoid it, listen, and continue in the word of God. Because this is what Paul is simply saying. In verse 5 he says, turn away from them. In verse 10 he says, you know my testimony, Timothy. He says, you know my doctrine, my manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience. In verse 12 he says, everyone that will live godly will, in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But he says, evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse, deceiving, being deceived. But look at verse 14. But you, Timothy, you, continue thou in the things that thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Where did you learn them, Timothy? Where did, where did you learn them? Well, he had a godly mother and a godly grandmother. And guess what they, ta guess what they taught him? Guess what they taught him? The Bible. Because verse 15, it says here, from a child, thou hast known the Holy Scriptures. You, you, you know, what did it do for you, Timothy? Listen, what did it do for you? That was able to make thee wise. Unto what? Through who? Through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. See what the Scriptures was able to do, Timothy? It showed you how to be saved, how to be forgiven. Because, you know, Timothy and Titus, we were once like this, hateful and hating one another, lustful. You read Timothy chapter, uh, Titus chapter 3, and that's what Paul says. But there's something happens to you when you get saved. When you experience the love of God and the regeneration of God, something happens to you. The Holy Spirit begins to teach you by the Word of God how to live godly. How to put off and put on. Timothy, stay away from these phonies and these fakes. And I want you to continue in the Word of God. Which is the Word of God that saved you? Made you wise in the salvation? Continue in. Don't forget where you learned it from, Timothy. You didn't, you didn't learn it from these deceivers thinking that you can live this lifestyle and, 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 and still be a Christian. No, you can't. Listen to me. Someone that says that they're a Christian and following Christ and they exhibit this lifestyle, I'll put a big fat question mark on their salvation because my Bible says they have a form of godliness denying the power thereof. My Bible says that the faith that we have not only saves us but is able to change us. We've become new creatures. We're living in a deceitful world today. Creeps are creeping in, turning the grace of God into lasciviousness. When Paul preached the gospel, he not only told people to turn to God through Jesus Christ, but he then go on to tell them to do, the, to do works meet under repentance. 
Paul never said to people when he preached the gospel to them, when you get saved, you know, you, you, you know, go continue doing this or doing that or whatever. Or, you know, no, he said, look, listen, now live like a Christian. Live the way God wants you to live. Godly, soberly, righteously. Deny all ungodliness. Turn away from it. Turn, turn, turn. You see it ripple throughout the New Testament. And see the very scriptures, Timothy, that made you wise on the salvation? Continuing. You know why? Because all scripture is given by the inspiration of God. And you know what it's profitable for? For doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and instruction in righteousness. Why? That the man or the woman of God may be what? Truly furnished, perfect unto all good works. That's the end goal for every saved Christian to live up to their Christian name, not to be a phony, not to be a fake. As a matter of fact, to turn away from these people. Listen, if anybody in the church ever wanted to live a life of covetousness and fornication and live like this, we're told to put them out of the church, not to embrace them, not to side with them. Why? So they can see the manner of life and either get right with God or get saved. They fear God. We don't embrace that kind of attitude. And that's what's taking place today, brethren. People embracing people that have made professions living sinful lives. It should not be named not one time in the house of God. You say, how can I live up to this? How, how's God going to change me so I'm not a love-me-do Christian and I'm not living in lust and I'm not uh, disobeying authority and, and, and I'm not being a and I'm being faithful and, and all this. How? Get saved. Trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. You'll be forgiven. He'll give you the Holy Spirit of God. He'll teach you by the Word of God how to walk upright. Get saved. So I'm already saved. Get right. Get right. Humble yourself. Stop being stiff-necked and hard-hearted, Christian. Learn how to love the Lord. Learn how to submit. Learn how to be honest. Learn how to be faithful. Learn all these beautiful things that the Bible tells us. to be. Learn to be disciplined. Learn to be self-controlled. Learn these things. I may not do them perfectly, but are you being perfected? Because the scripture right now as we read it is for that very thing. None of us are perfect. I'm sick of hearing that. Yeah, but none of us are perfect. I know. But are you being perfected? Are you growing? Quit saying I'm not perfect. Well, they're not perfect. I know, I know. That's why we need to be saved. And then when we're saved, God's going to perfect us to look like his son. Like Jesus, like a Christian. You know what a Christian is? It's a Christ, what? Follower. It's a strange thing that people say, I'm a Christian, but they walk the other direction. I don't know about you, but that's strange. Because Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and they what? Are you sure? Are you sure they follow him? <laughs> of course. Oh, yeah, 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 but that, that passage, yeah, they just follow him for eternal life. What a selfish person you are. You want eternal life from Jesus and that's it, huh? Is that it? That's a bit selfish. You want to go to heaven and escape the fires of hell. Is that it? Well, that's a bit rude and crude. <laughs> what about the Lord being your Lord? Your Savior being your Lord? What about that? But you know what? We're living in a society today that says to you, all you've got to do is just believe. Yes, believe for salvation, but continue to follow the Lord for sanctification. And if you don't, there's something wrong. Don't you think that's a deformed Christian? In, in one way or another, it's a deformed reality. There's something wrong. You either get right or you get saved. So what's this message about? In the last days, brethren, we're going to see more fakes that say they're Christians and they live like the devil. We're going to see a fluctuation of it. That's what the Bible says. We're going to see rampant. I know God. Every second word is an F word. I had one guy yesterday say, I'm saved. I know Jesus is my saviour. <laughs> I said, yeah, well, I, how come you're not living like you should? <laughs> Jesus made wine, didn't he? Wow. Might as well go get a barrel now and go drink it. 
And by the way, that's, the, that's, that's the world's, one of the world's famous verse. They hardly pick up their Bible, but they love that verse. They love it. They've memorized it. In their own version. You say, what, what, what's going on? We're going to see more of it, brethren. And we either challenge that and say, brother, are you a fake that needs to get you know, saved? Or are you struggling and backsliding that needs to get right? Either way, get right with God. Because in chapter 4, there's another predicted disaster. That's the first one. A predicted disaster in the last days. We're going to see people that are fake. We don't have time to go into chapter 4. But chapter 4, we're going to see in the last time, he says, a time will come, he said to Timothy, a time will come where they'll turn their ear away from the what? Truth. And we're going to see an apostate, people that once embraced the truth, turn away from it. It's happening now. What's the antidote to that? Well, the first one is escape the hypocrisy, avoid them, don't be like them, uh, these deceived, de deceived people deceiving, but continue in the word that saved you, that will grow you. And the second one is to preach the word, Timothy. Preach the word. Don't stop preaching, even if there's look, in season, out of season. Packed house, two people. Preach, preach your heart out. Preach, rebuke. Preach, reproof. Preach, exhort with long suffering. Be patient and doctrine. Preach the truth. Because a time will come, Timothy, they don't, they don't care for the truth. And you, believer, you may not be a preacher, you might be a witness of the truth, but you on the receiving end, heed the truth. Heed it. Don't despise prophesying. As hard as this message was for me to preach, it would have been hard for you to hear. But we all can agree that it's true. Can we? And we need it. Don't we? We need it. Because the day is coming, my friend. And it is here that we have too many people on the pulpits tickling, the, tickling, tickling. I'm getting into the second message. Let's end it here. If you're not saved, get saved. If you're saved and you're not right with, with the Lord, get right. If you're saved and you're right with God, keep growing. Amen? Let's pray.